Welcome to the True Wealth Investors Podcast, a show all about real estate investing to help increase your income, lifestyle, and impact. All right. Welcome, everybody. True Wealth Investors Podcast. I am Chad Harris. Glad to have you back. And I am joined today by Chris Mayfield, who you know very well from uh, many episodes. He's my co-host. And we are blessed to have Corey Geary on as a guest to share his story. So welcome, guys. Glad to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me, bro. Appreciate it. Well, hey, I'll, I'll do a quick introduction because I'd rather have Corey do it. But uh, I met Corey a couple of years ago at a Rudy's barbecue. And I just watched from basically social media, but we're local. So every once in a while, I'll poke my head into his house or now his office and see what he's doing. But Corey, just kind of introduce who you are and what you do in regards to True Realty and, and True Offer and all of that, if you don't mind. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so yeah, my name is Corey Geary. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, run a nationwide wholesaling company. We play in about 18 different states currently. I'm gonna have it up to about you know 25 to 30 by the end of the year. We also do a lot of fix and flipping here locally. I currently have eight different fix and flips going on. Got a few rentals too. So that's the bulk of the real estate side. Um, got into real estate back in 2016. I was a blackjack dealer. Uh, kind of how you mentioned at the casino, did that for like 17 years, really difficult job to leave because I was making anywhere from 120 to 150 grand a year and uh, had great benefits with the casino. And it was just an easy job. You know, you go in at night, work six hours, make all your tip money, go home. And it was just, uh, I got real comfortable with it. And then, um, you know, one day it just kind of dawned on me, like, what am I doing in my life? I want more. So real estate was the vehicle I used to pursue that and still pursuing the uh, the dreams through real estate. So it's been, a, it's been a great vehicle so far. And how long ago was that? So it's 2016 is when I got into real estate. Literally, I'm sitting there with my, my girlfriend at the time. We're not together no more, but she was a part-time realtor. We're watching Flip or Flop. She's like, why don't you flip her house? She knew I had some money saved up. And I was like, I don't know. Why don't I flip a house? And then literally, I'm running outside the next day, and I, I pass by one of those signs that say, uh, uh, fix her up or buy, you know, buy price, ARV this price. And I stop from running, and I call the number on the sign. and like, hey, what's this? fixer upper that I can buy. And that's literally how my, my uh, intro to real estate started. It took me six months to flip that first house. I made $8,000. <laughs> it was a very well lesson learned. I learned a lot. Um, so that happened in 2016. And uh, roughly 2017, I got my, uh, I got spanked pretty bad. I lost about um, $120,000 in fixing the flipping. I got took into the cleaners by a contractor. He almost wiped me out uh, at the time, and then I, you know, I what I asked myself was like, what do I got to do to keep moving forward? And I was like, well, how do these wholesalers get the to get their deals? Because at the time, I was buying from wholesalers and I was fixing and flipping from those guys. And I was like, okay, well, how do these wholesalers get their deals? I need to really try to figure out how to get direct to seller, so that way I can wholesale, get some of this money back coming back in, and then I can start fixing and flipping again. And then so you know, obviously, I'm googling around. I, stumbled across Sean Terry. And Sean Terry was really the intro into real estate for me on the wholesaling side. And I bought his course. 
Uh, I've provided this course. I've joined masterminds. I've joined, I've, I've got coaching and mentorship. I've spent over, I have spent over a quarter million dollars just in self development and growth in the real estate space, you know, in general. And then in 2018, I quit my, uh, my casino job and, uh, went full-time real estate investor. Uh, I, you know, in the meantime, I was, I was building my real estate. I, I actually, what Chris had mentioned about the bullpen, a bunch of people to come into my house and cold call for me so that way I could drive the leads in so I could go out and close them. Uh, and then eventually, you know, that transitioned into me hiring acquisitions, hiring dispositions, and then eventually we turned it into a nationwide wholesaling company. So, <laughs> so there's there's tons to unpack there, Chad. We're gonna try yeah. to do it as quick as we can because I know it's a lot. I know some really good nuggets and I don't even know obviously everything that Corey knows. But Corey, what we try to do is just help people that are, are thinking about taking action. Um, and right off the bat, you know, it was you you saw a sign and you made a phone call, right? And I think that's something that people have to realize that it's not that you're not willing to pay for education, but your thing is you're going to take action once you learn something, correct? Absolutely. That's 120%. You just got to take action. In the beginning, I know a lot of people are not going to have money for coaching, mentorship, but man, there's so much free information on YouTube and just around the internet that you can find. And I would say that that's the, my biggest piece of advice in the beginning. Go to go to YouTube University, right? Start learning the basics that we can that we need to start implementing this business, and just take massive action. If you don't have money, that's probably fine. Go door knock, you know. And if you have a little bit of money, maybe do some cold calling. And just the biggest thing, yeah, man, is take massive action. That's that's the hugest part. I tell my I tell my kids when I decide to do something, I've been flirting around with like, could we do Amazon? Because I've got five kids and I want them to be building incomes. And they're like, but dad, how are we going to learn? I said, guys, don't worry. I'm YouTube certified. We're going to make this thing happen. We all are. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so from the beginning, you took some action and you flipped the house. That led you to eventually saying I could make a bigger return if I could get direct to seller. And so just because of time, Chad, I want to get to that part. Um, so you you do some flipping, you lose a little but you want to get direct to seller. So your plan was to cold call. That was where you started, correct? That's, that's where I, I ended up uh, transitioning to. In the very beginning, when I went to Sean Terry's course, he taught banded signs, direct mail, and that was kind of the my my gateway into it. It was a little more expensive though. Like direct mail games is very expensive in the beginning. So that's it was eating me kind of alive uh, uh, money wise. So that's why I ended up transitioning to the cold calling. And it's like you know I need a cheaper way to get leads. And I was like, well, let's try cold calling. And that's why I ended up hiring people. And I literally put them right in my living room and managed them uh, while I was like trying to run my real estate company. It was a little difficult. I still can't believe I did that. So Chad, Chad, we're sitting in Rudy's and I said, so what's your schedule, right? So he said, what I do is I go to my job as a blackjack dealer and I get in there about what, two o'clock, two, four o'clock, something like that. Uh, I would go to work at six o'clock at night, between six and eight o'clock at night and get off between two and four in the morning. And then he said, I wouldn't drink or then, anything. I drive straight home, go to bed. And then when he woke up, he had hired his best friend's assistant. She would already be at her desk working when he comes downstairs and cold callers would be coming to his house. I went into his house. I took my two sons 
I went in my house and filmed it and showed a couple of my partners. And he built in a living room and a call center. Sure. Yeah. Man. Rented another yeah. bedroom to a friend, rented the other living room to his other friend, yeah. and used half of his own personal <laughs> home as his business. It was impressive. Right, right. I just needed my bedroom to sleep all I needed. And then he would turn around and do it all over again the next day. That, to me, is just straight commitment, straight hustle. Yeah, yeah sleep was a precious commodity to me back then. <laughs> so what did your friends and family think when you're – working your job, you've got call center set up in your house, renting out a room. I mean, what was their response? Everybody thought I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they thought I was out of my mind. Like, what are you doing all this for? Why are you trying to like, well, you just, you know, continue working your good, you have a great job. I don't understand why you're trying to do this thing on the side. You're, you're making all this money, a great benefits. You know, I heard that from my family and friends, and obviously friends at the time were casino you know, uh, casino people. So, you know, they're, they're, they're not wanting to see me leave the industry. And I still, I'm still good friends with some of these people because, you know, that we, I've had really great relationships with some of these guys, um, but they're not wanting to see me quit and go on and do this whole, you know, this real estate journey. And, you know, even my dad was like, why are you doing all this? You know, you have great benefits. You make good money. You're going to have a good retirement. Well, why don't you just stay where you're at? I, no, I, I need I need growth. I mean, you know, where you, comfortability is where you die. I need to stay uncomfortable and continue to grow, and that's what really uh, drove me. Um, but no, you're, you're, and everybody's gonna get that, especially in the beginning of your journey. You're gonna get everybody. You know, what the hell are you doing? Are you crazy? What's what's going on? Why? <laughs> so it's. So talk about this. You said in 2017, you lose close to 120 grand of a flip dealing with a contractor. What can you, can you give us the brief history there of, of what yeah. went wrong or what you learned? It was completely 120% my fault. You know, I take accountability uh, for everything that happens in my life, including when I lose money. And that, that blame was completely on me, man. I did not do my due diligence on that contractor. I did not make sure, you know, he was going to take care of us. You know, I was working at the casino at the time and all I did was like, I was just shoveling money over to him, me and my partner at the time, I had a partner, uh, and we we're just shoveling money over to him and, and thinking he was getting the job done. He was sending us pictures. We were not doing follow-up on the, on the projects because we were working in the casino, you know, and I was always like working and I'd be too tired to go that morning, go that day, but no, that's not the mindset I should have had. You know, I should have made sure, you know, I should have checked with the, uh, the what do you call it, the uh, contractor, uh, what is that, the Arizona Association of Contractors? Yeah. Or the, whatever that is. I should have checked with them and make sure that he had, uh, he was reputable and he was licensed. You know, and I, you know, we didn't, we didn't know. We don't know we don't know him. I was an amateur. And so he took us to the cleaners. He saw a couple of newbies and was like, you know what, uh, I can take these guys. And he did. He did, you know, so um, it taught me a valuable lesson, you know, and uh, now I vet my contractors out very well. I, I put them on very uh, specific over organized draws where the work has to get done first before I receive, before I uh, submit payment. And uh, it's great now. I've got it set up so automated that I don't even go to the projects anymore. Kind of like how I was doing there in the beginning, but I was doing it the wrong way. Now I have people go to the projects for me on my behalf and vetting out, you know, the jobs getting done before I release a payment. And it's, yeah, they've got a, I got a structured 
pretty well in place, a good structure in place now, but that took a lot of learning and, and brain damage to get it to where it's at. Like I said, me losing a lot of money. Why didn't you, uh, what made you not quit? What made you just go, the heck with this? I got a great job. I'm not dealing with good these questions anymore. And that's exactly why I don't have a partner no longer because my partner was also a blackjack dealer. And at the time when that all happened, he had a basically had a uh, kind of anxiety attack, nervous breakdown, kind of went into this like depression and kind of just stopped working. And at the time, he, you know, he was just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And, and he, he we ended up going back to the casino. And, you know, we were both at the casino, but he ended up sticking to the casino business and not moving forward now. The way I looked at it was the only way I'm going to get my money back and make anything out of this is by pushing forward. If I quit now, I lose. That 120 grand is gone. I'll never see it again. I've lost it in this industry and I got my ass kicked and I'm back to the casino deal card. So the only way I was going to get that money back was not through the contractor who has no money already spent it. It was me pushing forward in the industry and making it back through this industry. Uh, and I've made it back many times over now. <laughs> so that was what kept me going. I was like, I am not gonna lay down and die here. I'm not gonna let this kick my ass. You know, I have to learn. It was my fault that it happened. I have to learn what, why that happened and pivot and continue forward. I love that total accountability that it was your fault and your, you take responsibility for it. And um, it's too easy, especially in the beginning to say, oh, why didn't somebody tell me? Or, you know, mm -hmm. how are these contractors allowed to still be out here working? And really it, is, it all falls on us, you know? All of it, everything in our life is our fault. Our relationships, you know, our personal life, our families, our friends, everything we do in our life, our life is a direct, a direct result of what's going on inside of us and everything we do is our fault, the goods and the bads. Good word, good word. So you uh, you build this uh, bullpen. How many people at the height of your bullpen did you have in there? I know you had your assistant, but then you had how many uh, cold callers? Ten. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> and Chad, it was no, it was no full setup. It was no. no it was crazy, man. I won't do that again. <laughs> like we don't have that now. I outsourced my cold calling uh, now. And actually the bulk of my business now is PPC, Google ads. Um, but yeah, that was, cause it, you have to manage two businesses. You got to manage the call center and now I'm trying to do real estate stuff. But it was like two different, it was, it was a shit show. It was fun. Yeah, but, but you got, <laughs> but you got a ton of experience because everybody's going to have stages of growth and, and a lot of people can jump from, and have the ability to connect with somebody like you and go from zero to pay-per-click. But, but a lot of people are, like you said, with no money are going to have to stage. So you yeah. can help people with the pitfalls of cold calling or the pitfalls of texting or, or the pitfalls oh. of PPC. I mean, I, I regularly reach out to, to Corey and just say, Hey, uh, you know, just I'll throw different things. I've actually done deals with Corey. He is one of the few people in America that never robs you in a JV deal. Um, he looks at it from a fair standpoint. And uh, so, so I have a lot of experience working back and forth with Corey, but he's the real deal. So you got up to 10 people in your house and what was happening at that time? We, you know, how did the business grow? You started with one deal and, and kind of tell us about the growth. <laughs> That's a very good question. So uh, it, 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 
through a lot of pain. That's how. <laughs> uh, in the beginning, so I got into it. Uh, obviously, I said like direct mail. Took me ten months to get my first deal direct to seller through direct mail. Um, made ten thousand dollars on that deal. Uh, rolled it back right back into marketing. You know, and like I said, it was we were gouging money through direct mail because I, we were playing in the very competitive space, which is here in Phoenix. And obviously, not very. Time was not very good at closing deals and how to, you know, you know, the sales cycle, you know, because of the beginning of my journey. Um, but then we transitioned into telecommunications because in telecommunications, I call it the gateway drug to wholesaling because it's a, the barrier of entry is very, very easy and cheap. You know, so you can get in, get leads, cost per leads are very cheap. You know, cost per deals are very, cost per contract is very cheap. And so that's why I did the cold calling thing. Uh, and that that was that actually scaled me up to where through the cold calling, RBN, and texting, we got to the point where we we're doing about ten deals a month on a local model. Um, was doing that for a while. Uh, then you know I was continuing my growth through mentorship and education through different mentors and coaches. Uh, was growing more. Met some people in the industry who were doing the nationwide model and saw exactly how their structures were. You know, I paid for, to, to join their coaching, pay their, because they'd be their masterminds. I paid to go to their offices. And I learned how to do the nationwide model and just came back and implemented it after I had enough money, you know, from the local model to scale a, you know, Google ads campaign to go nationwide. And uh, from then, man, that, 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 that was hard too, because in the beginning, I started that at the beginning of last year. And when we first scaled, it was right when COVID hit. And so it was, that was tough because in the beginning, COVID hit, I lost like 70 grand that month. The next month I lost like 50 grand. And then by the time things are coming back on and buyers are buying again and stuff, me and my team get COVID. <laughs> so me and my team were out of the office with COVID and it was like, oh my God. So like we all recovered, thank God, and that was the greatest thing ever. But you know, then we all come back in the office and then literally, you know, you have the front load marketing, you got a front load payroll, you got a front load the business. So I had like four or five months now where I ran deep in the red. And then there was nights where I was sleeping and you know, I'm about to close the doors if this keeps going on any day now. I cannot keep going in the red like this. But eventually, you know, we pushed through it and we got on the other side now, you know. We ended up doing about 1.2 last year and, that, and we ended out pretty strong. Uh, and I don't know, you know, I don't know, still look back, I was like, yeah, I don't know how we ended up at 1.2, but we just had some strong months at the end of the year. And this year we're cranking on real well. We're doing really good. You know, for the first quarter we did like 480. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's cranking along, but it was, it, was not, it was not without its learning curve. So anyone who's going nationwide, you are going to, you're going to have a serious learning curve on how to comp the properties in that particular uh, that market, what the title attorney laws are in that market. You know, is it a title state? Is it an attorney state? You know, to, you know, it's just so much hurdles that you're going to get over uh, going to different markets. You know, learn in your backyard first, always. Don't, I always recommend everybody, don't go just go try to do nationwide wholesaling. You, you need to learn how to do the business in your own backyard first and then and then go on the nationwide side. Um, but it's been a struggle. And now for me, for um, me, for me, Corey, you know, I didn't try to become a virtual wholesaler, which just means for the for our audience, someone that lives in Arizona, 
but wholesales in a different city, you know, hour or two away, or in my case, a different state. You know, my first transaction, Corey, was a buddy in Seattle where I used to live called and said, I got a guy that wants to sell a property. And I said, can you ask him for permission for me to call? I had no clue what I was doing. And he said, yeah. And I talked to a buddy who was very successful in Denver doing this. And so he said, yeah, I listened to him and I said, hey, man, how about I pay off your mortgage and I give you $92,000 cash. Would that work? Wrote up the contract. He literally took it to his church. It's part of the Mormon church. He took it to his church. They approved and said, man, looks good to me. Then I had a buddy that went to my church because I started a church and he said, hey, can we buy that house and flip it? And I said, yeah, because he was just going to go take pictures. I already had eight people in bigger pockets that wanted the property. I had no clue what I was doing. I just wanted to start you know, a bidding war. I was smart enough to know that. My buddy said, I'll go take the pictures for you. I'm an agent. And he did. And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I just want to sell it. I want to sign it. And he said, I said, do you understand that? And he said, yeah, what do you want? I said, 26,000. He's like, we'll do it. <laughs> and then I was like, so wait, and you know, and I went, I flew up there and shook his hand because he's a good friend. And I shook the camp title company's hand because they told me I could only make 13, but they, they, they cleared everything out of the way so I could make 26. I wanted to thank them and say, I'll continue to use you. I mean, again, I'm acting like I'm somebody, but I have no clue what I'm doing. And I made $26,000, you know, which is half of a youth minister's salary. And I'm thinking, I want to do this. You know, I helped, I helped people. I didn't take advantage of anybody. A seller got what he wanted. A buyer got what he wanted. And I got paid for that. So, but my point is, is I didn't set out to be a virtual. It was just, I have a lot of relationships in Texas, relationships in Oklahoma, Seattle. And I worked for a couple of gurus and we did some stuff in, in Memphis. And so I didn't go looking for it. It was just kind of what fell into my lap, you know, But I agree with you. If you can do it in your own backyard, then you'll be able to kind of extrapolate that into to other cities. It's going to help. It's gonna but help. I think, too, would you say this, though, Corey? It takes a certain kind of mindset. There's a lot of people that feel very uncomfortable about putting themselves out there and putting a contract on a property that they've never seen before. They've never touched. They feel like they got to see it. They got to touch it. They got to walk into it. They got to shake. So how did you get over that? How do you tell people that are like, wait a minute, you guys are doing this and you're not even seeing the house? Yeah, it's a mindset shift for sure. In the beginning in my journey, I was going to every property and I was belly to belly the seller negotiating and taking pictures of the property and figuring out what repairs are and it was it was a mindset shift for me my first one was in tucson and my 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 co-caller had got the guy on the phone he's like yeah i'm down in tucson he's at the property here he, he gave us a buy, buy price like right over the phone and i comped it real quick and i was like it made sense i was like yeah tell him we'll send him a contract through email it was my first one. It, it worked. Then I posted on Facebook and made 10 grand the next day. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. I'm like, all right, I got to try to scale that. That was amazing. And it, 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 it is, it, it's a mindset shift. And you are going to block up property sometimes at the wrong price because you can't see the property. And it, it's just, we call it throwing spaghetti at the wall. You're, you're going to have to throw the spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks because you're not going to the properties. And then once your investors go to the properties, they're going to give you feedback and you will know if the property is priced wrong from all the feedback you get from the investor, from the investors. And then you can go back to the seller and be like, you know, you didn't tell me about the hole in the roof and the, and the master bedroom. You know, what's up with that? You know, we're, we're getting a lot of, uh, here's the dollar amount that our, our, our investor partners are telling us is going to cost. And so sometimes you have to work them backwards. 
because of that, because you're not going to the property. And it, it, it is a mindset shift, but man, now we're doing about 20 to 30 deals a month. And it's just, like I said, it's, uh, but you know, we have to throw like, you know, 40 to 50 up on the board for 20 to 30 to come to fruition. So it's just, uh, mm. you're going to have a lot bigger drop-off rate going nationwide versus my local, your local model. My local model, I have any drop-out rate, you know, it's, it's very small. You know, um, but when you go nationwide, you just don't know the market as well as your own market, and you don't know the houses as well, and you don't know your buyers as well. There's and all the in betweens, you know. Well, it, I, I did one and two, so I started learning this, and my son was going to school down there, and one of his buddies, I would pay him a hundred bucks to go let investors in, you know, because he would kind of be my guy, take pictures down there, and he said something that reminded me because he, he, we were under contract for a certain price, right? And he said, and I had seven investors that wanted to go look at it. And I said, and I knew it was a bad condition, but I didn't know how bad. And the numbers made sense. And I said, well, how did it go? He goes, well, Chris, they all walked in. And about 30 seconds, they all walked out because they couldn't stand the smell. And I said, all right, you know, and I negotiated. Or recently, I reached out to you about a property in La Mesa, Texas, in between Odette, you know. And I said, 45, had a realtor go out and take some pictures. Boom. Now we're down to, you know, we were under contract for uh, 39, 38 or something like that. Well, now we're under contract for 28.5. You know, and it makes a sense for, for my buyer. But it was that same thing. The, the seller sent me the pictures. Unfortunately, the realtor said they forgot to send you a few pictures. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. The holes yeah. and the mold. And, you know, even though it's a brand new kitchen and it's ready to go. Yeah, yeah but right here, there's some siding that's missing. They love to do that. <laughs> they love to do that. So. <laughs> so how do you deal with that? How do you how do you get a house under contract? Who Who are your boots on the ground, regardless of what city you're in? Mostly realtors, um, so that's who we're marketing to for the most part. You know, um, we also use a, a investor lift, which is a, a platform, software platform that we uh, use to contact all the buyers in that market. So it's either the realtors or the buyers who are going to be our boots in the ground, and we have them go out there and uh, take pictures if we need it, if we can't get uh, pictures done from the seller, and then give us the feedback that we need uh, from for the house. I mean, so it's, at, it's your it's your client slash prospect and buyer that's going to be your boots in the ground. So how do you do this then? Because how about those people that are listening today that that are they know enough to be dangerous, and they're considering going to another state, but they're going to say, but Corey, how do you send a buyer who you want to buy from you? How do you trust that he's going to go in there and talk yep. to that seller and not figure out a way to yep. undercut you or push you out? Yeah, and you're never going to 100% ever get rid of that. But you need to set the expectations with the seller and set the expectations with the buyer. With the seller, you're just going to let them know, hey, I'm going to have some investor partners come to the property. We are going to be telling them a different price for the property because we are we are building in rehab costs and any other foreseen that we don't know about. So the guy coming to the property is not going to know the price that you mean you were talking about. So please do not talk about it with the buyer. Then we do the reverse with the buyer. Say, hey, Mr. Buyer, you know, listen, the seller's under a lot of distress. You know, uh, the contract price that we have with them is going to be different than we are discussing with you. But we do have memorandum of option on the contract. We have clouded title to protect not only our interest, but your interest too. That way, if someone were to try to circumvent me and you, then we have protection. Also, this has happened before where the realtor is trying to circumvent this, circumvent us, and they have lost their license from doing so. So you need prepping both sides as best you can. And the realtors are the best, uh, 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 either best uh, the realtor because they, they, they have an obligation to their licenses, right? They don't want to lose their license. They know that there's a, 
an issue if they try to circumvent somebody. And it, it, but it, it's, it's still going to happen. No matter what, you're going to have it where it happens. You, you protect yourself. When you, when you think it's happening, you put them around the contract on the property. You get an attorney involved in that market. I've got attorneys all over the United States now that, you know, I can contact when I have an issue in that market. And that's how you protect yourself. So you do your best to prep the seller and buyer, and then you just do so you, real you quick. Real quick for those guys that don't have the machine that you have, you said something very key, memorandum, right? So mm -hmm. whether you're local, because I do it local, or and I don't really do Arizona, but but with my partners in Texas, we do the memorandum. Tell, tell people what that means. When you get under contract, you go file this, because what is it and why do you do that? It's very simple. You're just clouding title to saying that you have a purchase agreement. It's an affidavit of, of a contract. Uh, they're saying that you have an agreement between the you and the, and the seller. And it's very easy to record. We do them all digitally here in the office. And uh, it just protects your interest that way. So if you were to get circumvented by another buyer because they offered more money or maybe it's your buyer, when title goes around the uh, title report, your clouds are going to come up. And it will still prevent from title transferring, you know, uh, title work over. So now to play that out a little bit, because I've had it play out and you have too, I'm sure. So, so they like that, right? They like that other price, but title says, wait a minute, you guys are under contract with Hira. So do you dinner? So do you normally have the seller or that new buyer call you and try to get you out of it? What do you see the most of? You'll see, you'll see both. You'll see both. And sometimes we can work it. Sometimes the seller ends up coming back around and selling to us because they see there's no other option, especially if we get an attorney involved and have them send a demand letter. Otherwise, we have had it where we got to the buyer and the buyers negotiate with them to pay us out of the memorandum. So it can go both ways. We actually have one right now. The buyer uh, uh, called me, it was like last week. It was a memorandum that I put on the property two years ago and I'm getting paid $16,000. So, yeah, <laughs> so it came back around. He's probably still making a pretty penny on it, too. You know what I mean? So for him to pay 16 grand, he's probably making 10, 20, 30. Who knows? And I don't care because I was happy with that and we worked it out. And uh, so it can go both ways. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. So, Corey, one of the things I love topic wise is scalability. How do you take a business that works well at one level and take it to this really high level? And your story, I mean, even just listening to it, I'm like, man, really, how do you do that? You know, because each level that you get to, you run into new hurdles to get to the uh -huh. next level, right? I'm very good in your local market, but to go national is a whole nother business model, whole nother ball of wax. So what were some keys for you to continually be able to get to that next level and scale? The two most important parts, and I think this is any business, of when you're trying to scale, you need to have systems and process, processes in place, which is probably my weakest, you know, uh, my weakest strength because I am not an integrator and I'm not someone who, can, who goes in there and knows how to put all the systems in place. I'm doing it. Uh, and it's probably my weakest uh, part of my business. But the second key element is people. You got to have amazing people. You got to have A plus players working with you on your team who see your vision and are willing to roll in the same direction as you because they're on board with your vision. So that is where my strength comes in is I'm able to get A plus team, team members in here 
to get on board my vision, all roll the same direction. So my weak spot, which is my systems and processes, uh, is okay because I have such an amazing team around me pushing that direction the right way that my, it makes up for my weak spot. Now, there will be a one day where I need to bring in a COO, an integrator who will help me with that weak spot. If I keep scaling for me to go on, you know, I want to bring, eventually bring this to a company that we're doing a million dollars a month. To do that, I'm going to need a COO and integrator uh, to fix that that weak link. But I'm telling you, with uh, the right people in place, you can achieve almost anything. So let's let's talk about those. Those are good. So you know, in this business, and and I know you're in multiple, but in the in the assignment of contract wholesale business, um, typically, even when you find a plus, right? They're great, but there's going to come a time where they begin to understand everything and maybe have that tension of, do I go do this now for myself or do I continue to work for Corey? How do you deal with that in your daily? Because you you, you definitely want to bless them and say, man, I, I want you to have all in the world. If you feel like you need to be on your own, go for it. Right. But then there's the other side of maybe you see that that's not who they are. They would be more successful with them because they're not that point person right so i tell my team members all the time man and this is the difference between scarcity mindset and abundance mindset and this is where a lot of people they you know they put these freaking stupid uh the non-competes in their business and i I think it's the worst thing you could do to somebody's growth is try to handcuff them down and say no you can't grow bro you got to sit here with me the rest of your life that is the no 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 you cannot do that people want to grow especially people who are these A-plus players that we're talking about, these are also entrepreneurs. So the way I deal with that is you need to put the diamond handcuffs on them. You need to give them growth through your business. So like I let pe- I let my team members come and do flips with me and I let them have equitable interest on the flip so they can actually, you know, see that piece. And then I, I'm the one running the flip. They just have equitable interest, you know? We're integrating right now a plan where on our creative financing deals so that they can be embedded into the long-term cash flow. So that way it's like our 401k plan into the company. You gotta give massive bonuses when they do amazing, you know, when they have an amazing month, man, give them an extra 5k. Give them, you know, you treat them so good that they will never leave you. That is the key to keeping good people. And, yeah, I 100% people agree. I agree because because even if you do all of that, uh, I've seen it and you and they still want to leave. To me, you bless them on the way out because I know there's a reality that's going to hit them tomorrow when they are responsible for everything. And that might last six months to a year. And if you've blessed them on the way out, if you cheered them on the way out, right, as opposed to what you and I have seen in other instances, when it does hit the fan and they realize maybe I'm not that Corey Hart when I'm bearing the burden and they call and say, would you allow me to come back? There's no, there's no tension there. They've already performed well, sure. you know, they've learned their lesson. And so there's not that friction. And so, you know, man, I'd love to have them back. I didn't want to see you go, but I also don't want to stop you from growing. Absolutely. And maybe they grow and they're successful and they, they, they kill it. And then, then you guys, maybe who knows, you guys can do JV partnerships and you guys can form and create this, you know, monster beast that, you know, that wasn't there before. It's just, you, you got to think of an abundant way, man. And I tell my team members all the time, if you guys ever want to leave and go do your own business and create your own entrepreneurship journey, 
go. And I help them with some of their other, I have one team member right now, he's doing the e-commerce. I, I also have an e-commerce business. My sister's a COO of that. And so we're growing and scaling that on the side. So I'm also helping my team member learn how to grow and scale his e-commerce business because he wants to be an entrepreneur and he also wants to go out and crush it, you know? So we try to support them any way we can in their dreams. And that's another thing, talk to them about their dreams and goals in life and figure out exactly what they're trying to achieve and see how you can match that with your goals and dreams. That's the key. That's so Chad, Chad said, uh, you know, scalability, we talked about the people side, so you're obviously doing that well. What about systems and processes? What What is that's a system, awesome. what's a system that, that what, 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 you know, what kind of, what are two or three systems and processes you need for scalability? Yeah. Couple, obviously, Google Ads, pay per click is what we use to scale, and uh, I have gotten pretty good at that. And that's just through trial and error and spending a shit ton of money and effing it up and going, okay, that didn't work. Let's try this, and then also paying for membership for people to teach me how to really dial it. This cost me a lot of money to dial in. Uh, so on the front end, I cannot live without Google. On the back end, I cannot live without InvestorLift. InvestorLift is a software system that sells my deals nationwide. So uh, this, the guy's name is Robert. He's created a system where he's uploaded basically all the buyers from the whole nation by using utilizing all, everyone, all the other wholesalers list and created also what's called God mode to be able to pull this data out of every market of who the buyers are. I, we couldn't live without that on the back end for dispositioning our deals before we were losing like I would say it would take five contracts for one to stick. I mean, in the beginning, it was a very hard hurdle. And once we implemented that system, that changed the game. I would say three to four out of five will actually stick to the board now because of that system. So, and what, what what do you mean by okay on InvestorLift? What do you mean by four four out of five would not stick? Did you mean that you were getting it under contract and you just couldn't find the buyer because you're in a state where right. you have to build a buyer's list? Correct. Yep, because we were building buyers lists as we're going, right? We have these different protocols that we're doing. When we lock a property up, you know, in Texas, you know, to have my TC go in there and pull all the flippers from Prostream out of there, pull, go to Realtor.com and scrub the first five pages of the realtors who represented buyers in that market. You know, we're doing all these protocols to try to get the buyers as we go along, but this system has them already uploaded in there, and they made it's it's simplified our life incredibly. We're still doing other protocols to make sure we can uh, increase our chances of success in that market. But this is one key tool that has really changed our game in the last like, you know, six to eight months, whenever we started. That's what I was going to ask. Did you completely scrap and just you're like investor lift has just got it. So, or, or no. that's, that's 75% of it or 80. That's like 75, 80, 80-20, right? You know, it's like 80% now of our, 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 our volume is moved through there, but we still have those 20% problem deals that we don't stop working them until we know it's a dead deal. So we're gonna give it we're gonna give it all we got. It's one of our core values is we do what it takes. So we're gonna do what it takes in every single deal to try to bring that to a close and help the seller, help the buyer, help you know everybody win. Um, in the end of the day, that's helped our uh, you know our fall off whiteboard ratio incredibly. So you know we're, we're closing most of our deals now or before the beginning that it was horrible so sure so yeah. Corey, i gotta ask and well and i i love to ask frankly every guest but listening to your story 
you know, having a good job and not really needing to go into real estate to building to what you have now. And I love hearing your goal of, you know, the new target of a million a month, what you're working towards. Um, what is your why? What is it that keeps you pushing and overcoming all along the way? Anyone's why in the beginning, this was my why in the beginning. Now it's kind of grown as uh, Chris kind of knows. Uh, my biggest why obviously needs to be you. This sounds a little selfish, but if, if you're not your own why and don't feel like you deserve it, then basically you're doing yourself a disservice on all your family members because you have to be your own driving force. So I am my why initially and ultimately. I, I feel like I need to give back as much as possible and need to serve. And that's how exactly what I feel like I've put here from God, put here on this earth from God to do, is to serve and create as much as possible and live my full potential. Now my why is growing a little bit more, as Chris kind of knows. I'm getting married on Sunday. <laughs> My, my beautiful wife, I love her to death. She's so amazing. She's ultimately, you know, part of my why now. I have a baby on the way. You know, she's five months pregnant. This has driven that why inside me even more. So now I want to build legacy wealth for not just me, for them, for all my family to, you know, repeat in my footsteps. I want to change how my family is uh, evolved. And like, none of my family members have ever done this. And none of them are millionaires. None of them are ever, they've always been the nine to five job. Just, you know, you work to, you, you retire and then you live off your retirement. There's been no like big, you know, legacy growth through my family. And I want to be the first to do so. Uh, and that, that, that's ultimately my biggest why. I want to I want to dovetail real quick, uh, and I'll be done. Um, there's so much. I mean, you we could spend once a week with Corey for the next two or three months to to, to hear all of his journey. But you said something that I'm struggling with, so I'll I'll be you know. I do. I quickly go to my family. I quickly go to my kids. I want to create legacy. I want them. I want when I'm gone for them to know they can go so much further than me. But you said number one, you have got to get to the point where you understand you deserve it. Yeah. What do you mean by that? If you if you don't feel like you deserve it in, in the inside, and this is where it takes a lot of like personal growth and development inside. A lot of people don't feel like they deserve what they're trying to achieve inside deep. If you don't have that subconsciously, you're going to be sabotaging yourself through your growth. You're going to be always, there's always going to be something that's going to be pushing you back and you can't figure out, why can't I get to the next level? Why am I because you deep down inside, I don't feel like you deserve to be to the next level. So you really have to work on your inner self. And I do every, every every morning. I have three hours in the morning that I have set aside for morning routine for just personal growth. And so, yeah, if, you, if you're not your own why, then how is how is your kids and your mom and your, your significant other going to be your why? You have to love yourself first before you can love anybody else. I think people forget that. I think people forget about their own, you know, their own. Generally, when you're upset with somebody, it's because whatever. I generally notice when people raise their voice, that's usually what they're struggling with the most. Sure. They're yeah. seeing it in other people, and that's what's upsetting them. They're not. They're obviously upset at the person, but I think they're more. They're, they're, there's more of a of a tension there because that's exactly where they know they're weak. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And just, yeah. 
this journey has created nothing for me but uh, self-growth and development. I say real estate has saved my life. In the beginning, it was a tool that I just wanted to make money. Like, oh, I want to get rich. Yeah, everybody wants to get rich. Everyone wants to make money. But it's turned to so much more than that. It's, it's, this journey has been so incredible. I can't even, words can't describe it. I don't want to bug you, Corey. I wish we could hang out once a week. I don't want to bug you. I know you're about to start some type of mentoring, but I, I tell my wife when I come home, I just get energized when I spend time with them. We have different backgrounds and different paths, and I'm sure we have some same goals and different goals, but there's a humility about you, and there's a willingness to learn, and there's a willingness to help, and I, I appreciate that in anybody, and I'm pretty good about reading people, and so uh, I've all I brag about you in any circle um, that I deal with, which is what led to me saying, "Chad, hey, let's get Corey on here." Yeah, sure. Well, I, yeah, and I've appreciated the uh, information and hearing your story too. So I got two questions to wrap this up here and kind of right. wind it up. Uh, number one, I'm sure people, plenty of listeners, have a similar why. You know, they want to better their situation. They want to have a legacy for their kids. And what would, what advice would you give them if they're trying to take that first step and really get, get started in the business? Consume as much content as you possibly can. You know, down like what we were talking about earlier, YouTube University, read books, man, and not just read books about real estate, but read books about self-development, about really, you know, getting inside your head and figuring out what makes you tick, because that's the biggest ultimate thing, I think, is like, if there's things in there and demons that you got to face, you need to face and figure those things out before you start trying to grow an empire. Um, you know, a lot of books have helped me, you know, I'll just name off a couple. Uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he, he has a great book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. That book, I consumed it four or five times. I integrated those meditations into my, my personal daily life, and it's been game changer. Obviously, there's nothing in there about how to grow a real estate business, but I'm telling you, once you learn the self-development part and growth in your life, it will transition over to real estate because everything you're in your life, your business, personal life is a direct reflection of what's inside you. So that's the biggest, biggest thing. You're in, in beginning your journey. Of course, you're going to go after the cash. I, I was the same way. I was going after the, the, the money. You, that, that is part of the, just remember that is the, that desire. There is something else behind that desire. And, you know, that's just the way life is designed. We're, we're, we're oh, we want that money. But then we have to figure out exactly what, like, why that desire is there. What value and benefit are we going to bring? To get? Money's only energy. It, it's, you know, it's only a direct reflection of how much value we bring to the world. And that was, we, the money's not the reason. In the beginning, you think it is. You will. But, uh, and that's fine in the beginning. But you'll do a lot of figuring out in the longer journey. So... That's I kind of went long-winded there, but uh, <laughs> yeah. agree completely. That's sure. And uh, you know, final question for people who want to hear more about your story, follow what you have going on, and uh, see you when you hit that million-dollar-a-month goal. What's the best way for people um, to touch with you? Best way is Facebook. Just look up Corey Geary on Facebook. Uh, I'm very, very active on Facebook. I got a huge following on there. 
I'm trying to get into the IG game and the YouTube game and all that. My mentors are on me about like crazy because I am releasing some mentorship and coaching soon. And I have to be on all platforms like TikTok. Like, I, I don't know anything about TikTok, but I got to learn it. So, it, but so Facebook's the best way right now. Okay, sure. Well, I encourage everybody to do that, definitely. Uh, Corey, appreciate you coming on and taking the time, especially with the uh, upcoming wedding. Congratulations. And uh, I know there are plenty of other things going on, but <laughs> it's very good yeah. to have you on. So, been great. All right. Have a good rest of the day, everybody, and we'll look forward to catching up soon. Peace, guys. Thanks, Corey. Thanks for listening to the True Wealth Investors podcast. Visit us at truewealthinvestors.com to find archived episodes with show notes and links mentioned in each episode. Be sure to click the subscribe button today and leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to share how the show is helping you along your real estate investing journey.